This episode of the Western Outdoor News Podcast is brought to you by Western Outdoor News Charters. Our next available charter is on the Pacific Islander. It's a three and a half day trip departing on October 4th. We've got word from Captain Rick Russell that these guys are going to be definitely targeting some of that larger bluefin tuna out on the Tanner Bank. Expect to do some jigging at night as well as these bluefin tuna are really reacting to the knife jigs deep. With three and a half days, you really have a lot of fishing time on this trip, guys. Three full days of fishing. Again, that trip departs October 4th in the evening and returns October 7th early morning. For all the information on this trip, visit wonews.com. Hey folks, and welcome back to the Western Outdoor News Podcast. This week, we sit down with Mike Stevens once again, talking about his column, Knee Deep, titled, So Let's Get This Straight. Mike Stevens, tournament director Billy Egan and myself sit down and talk about some of the idiosyncrasies in the fishing community. Let's go back to the color real quick. Because how many guys do you know their favorite iron is one with a paint shoot all the way off it. Now, before we go knee deep with Mike and Billy on, so let me get this straight, let's talk about some recent news. First off, we just got word that Floyd Sparks 394.5 pound bluefin tuna is confirmed as the California state record. With the hot bite happening now on the Tanner Bank, it'll be interesting to see if it holds for the remainder of the year. In other news on the offshore scene, the yellowfin tuna and skipjack have really moved in down south of the border, and that bite is becoming more and more prevalent as the week goes on. As we work towards the eastern Sierra, we see some really big fish being caught and already some large brown trout being fished out of some of these larger reservoirs. As for the local freshwater scene, DVL and also Paris Reservoir are full speed on the shad right now. Looks like there's tons of bait being pushed back into every cut, every shallow water area. Good topwater bites being had at both. As we worked out towards the delta up north, the bass bite is definitely on an upward trend as waters start to cool. So are the striped bass. And big news up there right now is big, big salmon being taken right now. Over 40 pounds for some of those fish. That's on the Sac River side of things. And the big news for this week really is that the lobster opener is Saturday, 6 a.m. That's the uh, lobster opener. 6 a.m. this Saturday. Everyone's looking forward to it. If you hadn't heard from uh, Gil Hernandez and I myself talking about it just a few weeks ago, we have a great Lobster Hooping 101 article up on the web right now. It's still live, and there's also a video to tag along with that. Really good information there, folks. I'd recommend if it's your first time lobstering, or even if you're an experienced hoop netter, to check that one out. Billy Egan's in a great mood today. He is. He is. He's got a great radio voice, too. (laughs) Um, Microphone voice. Anyway... Recent column by Mike Stevens, knee deep. We're going knee deep today, guys. So let me get this straight. What is this about? Kind of give well, us a quick... Or do you want to just go straight in with an example? Not, well, I could... No, let me take it back. Okay. Like, I, I've been in this, this industry since the, the mid-90s. I've worked in tackle shops. I've worked in a hatchery. You know, obviously, I, I've, I've written. And over the years, you just notice things among anglers in the angling community that you question. And I've wanted to write that column for a long time. It's actually really short because a lot of the things I was afraid to put in there, you know, I was afraid of who I would upset. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but just, just to, I'll, I'll even, I'll give an example that wasn't even on it. I didn't even put it in the column. Like I was working in a tackle shop in the mid nineties. I'm, I'm really glad Egan's here because I've got a lot of bass ones in here. Everyone remembers, or at least everyone over 30 remembers, the color chocolate blue vein. You know, it was a huge worm color in the 90s and prior. 
And you're well, talking that, San, you were down in San yeah, Diego. Yeah, I was in San Diego. So San Diego yeah, makes so big, a deal. big color down there. So we always had a ton of chocolate blue vein. Well, then some company came out with hot chocolate blue vein, and it came in, and I looked at it, and I'm like, this is chocolate blue vein. Like, what's the difference? <laughs> yeah. Eventually, we took it out of the package and, like, literally held it under a light and rotated it. And you could see, like, red glitter Ooh. here and there. Well, then somebody caught something at Hodges with it, and then it, you know, the snowball effect happened. And I'm sure Western Outdoors had a lot to do with it. <laughs> but all of a sudden, everybody had to have hot chocolate blue vein. And in the bass world, all it takes is a couple guys to just clear off the peg and it's gone. Yeah. So then you have weeks of guys coming in saying, I'm looking for hot chocolate blue vein. They get to that empty peg. You've got chocolate blue vein sitting right next to it. Looks exactly the same unless it's held under a light. That worked two weeks earlier. That, that worked two decades earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just instantly, you know. Yeah. That's not. Wiped I don't off. need that. Yeah. I, I need hot chocolate blue vein. <laughs> and it was just so frustrating. I mean, we had chocolate blue vein spilling off the peg. No one would touch it because it had to have that. And, you know, Egan's here. He's a bass guy. You know, I, That's why chasing somebody else's bite is so <laughs> crucial <laughs> to your tournament, yeah. to your angling experience. Because if you can't duplicate what somebody else has done, something's wrong with right. you. Right. Uh, but the way I see it, I, I don't I don't care what fish it is. I don't like giving a fish too much credit for being too smart. No. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I hear that all the time, especially in the swim bait side. We don't want to train the fish. Let's go. Yeah. We don't want to train I, the I fish. I could seriously yeah. go on about the color thing forever. It, it's just yeah. like, why why aren't those colors around? Or the other Otai special, the green new, weenie. Now yeah. it's all margarita <laughs> mutilator and... You know, I mean, know do, do the fish learn? Do their grandparents tell you never touch Maybe this we color? we don't all know that colors dissipate as you go deeper in the water and the light spectrum's not right. actually getting down there where a green is not a green, it's a brown. Oh, I'm glad he mentioned that because I've yeah. some salt. Or like that red flake might not even be anything down right. there. Right. But then like, you know, getting into the column, like that was one I didn't even put in there. Yeah. The first one I put in there was one, it was about... You know, there's a lot of bass angler versus trout angler stuff. You know, they like to take shots at each other. And a lot of the bass guys, or not even bass guys, some trout guys even, will look down on fishing for hatchery trout. Yeah. Right? Because they're not, you know, they're raised in the hatchery. They're fed. Truck chasers? Truck, truck chasers, yeah. But, you know, they're fed. Pellets. Pellets full of protein. I used to work in a hatchery. The pellets are, the pellets are protein and fat. Yeah. It's just like like they're linebackers. Right? Like they're yeah. in the NFL. Right. Yeah. Bulk. Right. So the bass guy that clowns the trout guy for chasing those fish goes after those bass with swim baits that look like hatchery trout because they want to catch a bass that got that big for eating those hatchery trout that are chock full of fat and protein and Yeah. You know, I know I know bass guys. Serious bass guys, one bass pros. I won't name any names, but <laughs> they are loud about the lack of trout stocking. Yeah. You know, they want it and they they say, you know, you know, anglers need their trout and they don't care about trout or dunking no, night crawlers. Want, they want to want feed their bass. <laughs> they want to feed their bass and they want their bass that they're chasing to be accustomed to chasing a bait that's ten inches long. Yeah. You know? Totally. But it you know, 
it doesn't matter why they want more <laughs> trout stocking. You know, trout guy appreciates it. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, but a bass will hit a Budweiser can with hooks on it. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, it, you know, I just I. It doesn't make me angry. I just I like talking about it over, you know. Yeah, it's it's fun to talk about. It, it's kind of uh, interesting because everyone has their own opinion on all this kind of stuff. And yeah, and um, you know, you're you're talking about the worms and the the slight color differences, and you know, now on the saltwater side of that as a surface iron, mm-hmm. the colors. Oh gosh. There's more color surface irons than I've ever seen. Right. And then what about the guy sitting there and and turning each iron and looking at them well, for their hips? Okay. Let's go back to the color real quick. Because how many guys do you know their favorite iron is one with a paint shoot all the way off it? Yeah. And it's just the, the uh, you know, the primer or yeah. the metal underneath it. I fish uh, a lot of irons with no paint on them. Sure. I take the paint off of irons a lot. <laughs> but I know what you're getting at. Yeah. Because, you know, I've seen plenty of people shopping for irons and the steps they go through. Yeah, going they're... through and checking. You know, the one thing I might check is the uh the brazing on the uh the ring the ring yeah if it's not smooth or it looks suspect i won't buy it Mm. but other than that i grab the first one off the rack really leave the sticker on yeah (laughs) that's key (laughs) and what's funny is i've seen guys like two guys equally as serious about fishing iron and they're looking for the exact opposite like this guy wants the equal hips yeah and this guy wants the offset hips yeah hips and i don't know if they do this anymore but i used to see guys hold it by the ring and and kind of spin them and if it if it wouldn't spin like smoothly if it get caught you know that was a bad one yeah and now i hear about guys (laughs) that they'll buy like 20 irons to keep one yeah well i learned way back when this is 2006 2007 by accident when i was playing around with image baits Mm -hmm. you know when i was uh uh, bait wrapping things, uh, especially Lunka Punker topwater baits with actual pictures of fish. So mm-hmm. that the bait mimicked exactly what the fish were going after. It it was ironic that one I did that because I didn't know how to paint, but two because I figured why not make a bait look like the fish that you think that fish is going after. Right. But the ironic part was the anglers didn't see. Th- didn't see the forest for the trees because they wanted it to be epoxied and perfect and painted perfect and match the hatch and and lock it in and you know the reality was all you're doing is temporarily making your lure look like something you think the fish is going to be tempted to eat yeah and people lost their mind on it the bait wrap thing blew up and everybody had to have this and that and i literally at that time took a picture of scrambled eggs (laughs) In my pan, <laughs> and I remember wrapped, seeing those bait wraps. Yeah, I wrapped tatty lures and some other lures, J, JRI lures, with a picture of scrambled eggs, and people lost their you know what over it. Right, <laughs> matching the hatch. Fish knows what scrambled eggs look like. Yeah, I would never say that one color. I, I would never say the color doesn't matter. Yeah, and I would never say a ridiculous co- color would never work because I've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, another point I wanted I wanted to make on there was. Why? When would being when would matching what a fish is eating in real life be a bad idea? Yeah, like I'm saying, like you know, even if it's dirty water, you you hear like you know, dirty water, you use bright colors, mm-hmm. and in clear water, you net natural colors. Does the bait change color? Yeah, the bait. I mean, w- the bait stays the same, right? The just like fishing still at feeding on stuff, fishing the, at night and fishing during the day. It's like okay, well, a dark color is going to give you a silhouette, but 
Does a bluegill change color right. at night? A shad does not turn fire tiger. So. Come on, you've all seen fire tiger minnows out there somewhere out there. Like, <laughs> funny. I, I will never use a fire tiger lure. Oh, really? Like, yeah. uh, Rapala's for trout in the Sierras, you know, yeah, yeah. to saltwater. I just can't stand <laughs> to look at it. I don't care if they're chewing the paint off them. Yeah. I will not. You do not. You will not find a fire tiger lure in any of my boxes. Whenever, whenever anyone uh, tells me they're chewing the paint off. I ask what kind of paint they're using. Yeah. Yeah. There's something in that paint. Was <laughs> <laughs> that lead? Yeah. <laughs> fish are fish. Yeah. Right. I, I like fishing like the big bait stuff. I feel like fishing something that looks like a lot of different things. Could mm-hmm. be a trout. Could be a baby bass. Could be a bluegill. Right. You know, just general. You see a lot of that. In, fish colored. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what color lot, are you throwing? You see a lot of that in, in fly fishing mm-hmm. where there's certain flies that are absolutely meant to mimic something very specific, if not at a very specific stage in its life. Mm-hmm. But then you have stuff like woolly buggers, like the, the amount of different things that that could represent or how many different big bushy flies could be a, a hopper. Yeah. Like, you know, a stimulator, a big stimulator that looks nothing like a hopper. Could be. But if it's floating on the water and you're in trout looking up at it, it absolutely can be. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's huge. Definitely. Yeah. Just, uh, it's so funny, all the different little things. Right. You know? And you Let got, alone and, trying to surface iron at freshwater lakes for stripers or bass. I, we've, <laughs> done, we've done that back in the day. You know, at Diamond Valley, we're throwing a mint-colored surface iron across a point and a bass... And or striper just blows up on it. I always wondered if anyone ever tried that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. People don't. They aren't willing to cross that bridge. It's like, uh, yeah. I don't want somebody to see me throwing this. Right. I'm too worried about what Paul's going to say or what yeah. going to say about what Tommy was doing on the water today instead of just using their instincts. Right. But it's funny that you mentioned trout because trout's a little more, they're a little more finicky when you're, especially fly, fly fishing. Yeah. You know, it's ironic when, when I go, I'm a swim bait guy, I don't use a whole lot of flies although i will fly fish but mm-hmm. i like tempting them with bigger baits and it's ironic how if you throw a crackback rapala that's uh, brown trout colored you're going to catch rainbows and if you catch a throw a rainbow crackback rapala you're going to catch browns mm-hmm. why because that's natural predation sure you know, it works. yeah right At the same time if you throw a fire tiger and this thing's eating it <laughs> it's all reactionary right yeah you know? yeah they don't fish don't have time to go Oh, is that a minnow? Right. Is that the right color? Yeah. Oh, I'm hungry. <laughs> or no, it's in my territory. I feel it on my lateral line. I'm going to eat it. That's what I'm born to do is eat things. Yeah. Eat things that can fit in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> now, somebody oh. somebody mentioned topwater. Like, why are there so many different colors of topwater baits? Like, a, from the point of view of a fish, pretend like you're a fish looking up. You see the sky? It's because we, as humans... <laughs> Overthink everything. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, I've fished many, many times at night in pitch black nights with barely any you know, moonlight or stars out there. You're fishing a black bait mm-hmm. on top. And the fish look up. They're not seeing anything. What they see or feel is their lateral line and or disturbance on the water. Yeah. And they attack it. Most of the times, you know, if you're fishing from shore... The funniest thing, and it scares the hell out of you at night sometimes, is you'll get a bite <laughs> at your at feet, your feet mm-hmm. because they run out of room and they figure they can trap whatever it was that was swimming away. Sure. And you jump about five feet when that happens, but it's one of the greatest things yeah. that women just don't understand. <laughs> yeah. 
Why like, do you like to go fish at night? Yeah. Because it's quiet. <laughs> Nobody's asking me to do honeydew lists. Yeah. My kids aren't pulling at my shorts. That's 100%. No competition. And it's yeah. quiet. <laughs> I think we might go hit the lake tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I get, you know, that some topwater baits will roll onto their side. And, you know, part of that is being shown. Yeah. But or a shiny. If something, just yeah. imagine a, a bass or a striper just charging up at something. You know, is it going to say, oh, that that's baby bass. That's not, yeah. you know, no, that's no. not rainbow trout. And They're usually pretty around committed. at the end. <laughs> well, I've got an analogy for it if we still have time to do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Baits. Back when I used to build uh, big baits, swim baits, Inc., uh, I had uh, built the Sanaga, which had a door hinge style hinge on it. Well, Mickey Ellis from 316 was the only one at that time, other than maybe Matt. Um, Servant that was doing any baits with door hinges so I reversed my door hinge so it wasn't the same as his well he uh, was so hell-bent that somebody else was using a door hinge that he came out with his freestyle baits Now, prior to that he had a number of different wake baits and baits that were really catching well and then he tried to mimic what myself and a couple other guys were doing with his door hinge thing because he wanted to beat everybody to the punch mm. well what Maybe he didn't realize, but I noticed, and a lot of the other big bait guys noticed, is part of what worked with his previous lures was the wobble. Mm-hmm. They had a wobble, which which basically essentially flashes a roll. that color down below the water line to fish that might be down there seeing a flash just like you would in the salt water. Yeah. And when he came out with this streamlined wiggle, he lost that flash, and the fish weren't they weren't catching fish on those particular baits. Because he moved away from what was successful yeah. because he was fearful of somebody else invading that space. And just it's kind of ironic that certain baits work because there's something about that bait that's unique. Yeah, well, that's why, you know, that's why there's such a, uh, like if something gets discontinued, you know, certain things oh, could yeah. just be like all of a sudden your $7 bait's going for 40 bucks on eBay. Yeah. You know, stuff like, is it the Storm Wiggle Wart? <clears throat> that like so many like on nationwide so many bass guys want the original storm wiggle the wiggle original one yeah. because i get that there's a there's something in the in the action in the action or something the you way know, it hunts the something worked yeah. you know something made it the density work. of it a lot of those baits when they try to uh you know when they're producing those baits like an example the lunker punker in wood and then they start doing the injected stuff mm-hmm. and they just don't do the same thing right they put rattles in them they make them different there's something about sound transmission yeah. with baits and material that that work. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I didn't. I, you know, I really didn't mean to get all into colors and loot this whole time. We you know, <laughs> but it's cool. Tension, but it. it re- yeah. I like it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, one one more thing. One of my buddy's favorite colors of topwater is clear. Yeah. He uses clear baits on clear when he loves them. That's clear I think- poppers, clear walking baits. Yeah. You know, so in clear water you can't go wrong with clear. <laughs> yeah. And what out there is clear. You know? It's like what color fishing line you're using. Yeah. Clear. That's another one. Some of the other <laughs> stuff on you know that I that I touched on was just stuff from like the last few years. Like the swordfish thing has got crazy out here. <laughs> like they just showed up. No, right. The they drop, yeah. They, yeah, <laughs> Captain Dan, you you know, I'm sure you got thoughts on this. I mean, they had to have always been here, right? They've always been here. And There's then, been a commercial fishery for them for 100 years. Right, more. and I used to hear about how guys do it in the Gulf. We talked about it a couple weeks ago where they would send down a 
bucket of cement to get deep enough and then it that breaks loose and all that stuff and and a lot of the deep drop stuff that we're doing out here feels that way Mm -hmm. but it just i don't know to me it seems like it's been within the last five years that it's really picked up for like private boaters yeah the private boater scene was two years ago that was a a hot bite Mm -hmm. Um, newport canyon was was going pretty full speed there for a while yeah and i had quite a few buddies doing it and they were getting fish right and uh we had done a lot of research on the deep drop stuff beforehand and we'd set up rods and reels and we'd done it a few times but never really committed but then that year when they were really biting good i know a couple of my buddies had one over 400 you know multi and they were selling them too because they ended up going full commercial rod yeah. and reel for them and they were able to actually make a little bit of money off those fish yeah which was pretty cool it's just, it's, I mean, it's the ocean, man. There's still well, it's stuff like the, that's untapped. I mean, <clears throat> the yummy flyer, you know, everybody used to think that it had to be on a kite, it had to be moving, and now guys are getting on dead twitch, you mm-hmm. know, just drift baits. Yeah. yeah. You know, like bass guys have been doing for a while. Right. There's, we're always evolving and always figuring stuff out, and the, the tackle companies are, you know, responding. Daiwa's got electric reels now, and we got the specialized rods for that kind of thing now, and it's... It's part of the SoCal saltwater scene, Very, you know, more than ever. And it just blows my mind that... If you're willing to go bob. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just blo- like, uh, <coughs> white sea bass fishing at, at times as well. Yeah, or yeah. catfish fishing. Mm-hmm. Catfish <laughs> fishing. <laughs> That's what I'd call it, going catfish fishing. Right. <laughs> well, guys, this was... Um, so let me get this straight. We're knee-deep mm-hmm. with Mike Stevens. And Billy Egan. If you guys enjoyed this episode or would like to chime in and be part of this discussion, please feel free to call and leave a message to us here at the Western Outdoor News Podcast. The number is area code 702-850-4WON. That's 702-850-4966. For more information on trips, charters, and events held by Western Outdoor News, visit wonews.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you here next week at the Western Outdoor News Podcast.